Our scripture reading today comes from the sixth chapter of the book according to Luke, verses 17 through 19. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed all of them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's be in the spirit of prayer as we are illuminated on this text and think about it deeply. Holy God, bring light into this place. May the words spoken this morning and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. And may we each be touched by your undying love. Amen. Like I said uh, at the beginning of worship, we are blessed this morning with Dr. Kelly, who is our coroner for the El Paso County area, and he is going to share a little bit this morning, um, and then I will share a little bit as well. So thank you, Dr. Kelly. So I want to start by, by, by thanking you all for welcoming not only me, but, but Nami into your congregation on Mental Health Sundays. And um, for me, this is one of the, the true ironies of life, because had you asked the 18-year-old me um, the two things he could absolutely guarantee, um, one would be that I would never be someone who would either run or be elected to anything. Um, and two, I would probably be the last person on earth you'd be inviting to your Sunday service um, <laughs> to chat. But nevertheless, uh, my very Irish Catholic grandparents would be really proud of me right now. So, so thank, thank you all for that. Um, so, so what does bring this, this motley crew of folks, including um, your coroner, together here today to take on a topic that largely for thousands of years has lived in the shadows? We're here because we understand and appreciate the impact of, of mental health, not only on ourselves, but also on our community. Each of us has a personal connection to the challenges of mental illness, whether that's in the work that we do, our own personal story, or in the story of someone we love. One in five of us will face a mental illness in our lifetime. Many more of us will need to be there to support that person when that time comes. And for me, my work puts me on the front lines of our community's struggle for mental wellness. I face our challenges uh, and tragic failures on a daily basis. And our city's recent struggle with teen suicide um, brought urgency and priority to how we help those in this community who are affected by mental illness. In three years, we lost 42 teenagers to suicide. During the worst four months, uh, we lost a teenager to their own hands every nine days. And last year, we had 152 El Paso County citizens uh, die by suicide. Every single one of these deaths is preventable. 
So to put it bluntly, I'd gotten very tired um, in, in throughout my career of having conversations with grieving parents, spouses, and children, uh, and not having a good answer for why was this happening and, and what were we doing to stop it. So from this desire uh, for answers and our community's commitment to progress, uh, grew our local child fatality review team's uh, focus on teen suicide prevention, um, resulting in the formation of our pioneering teen suicide prevention working group, which has helped to reduce our teen suicides by over 50% in the last two years. We deployed our local mantherapy.org campaign, uh, working to destigmatize mental health-seeking behaviors in adult men who account for 75% of our completed suicides. And we launched, to overwhelming success, the El Paso County Sheriff's Office Crisis Intervention Team, getting acute mental health crisis intervention and, and psychiatric help to those who need it instead of simply taking them to jail. All of these efforts have been aided, supported, promoted, or informed in some way by NAMI Colorado Springs. NAMI's mission is to educate, support, advocate for families and people who are living with mental illness. We want to ensure that all those with mental illness live supported and fulfilled lives. NAMI does this through volunteer, peer-to-peer driven counseling. And whether that be family support groups, crisis intervention training, provider education, community mental health first aid training, support for military families, or support for our faith-based communities, which is a, 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 pro- a program that we are helping to launch along with you, um, or simply just those living with mental, uh, mental health diagnosis, NAMI has a welcoming space for all. But like many of you, my reason for being here today is also personal. My mother suffered from a difficult combination of bipolar and borderline personality disorders. My childhood was a never-ending series of, of mental health crises. Her depressed states would be spent in bed for weeks, leaving us scrounging for food. Her manic phases would result in frantic overnight relationships that quickly devolved into, at best, volatile breakups and, at worst, domestic violence. These emotional mood swings would be driven by her pathologic fear of abandonment, resulting in multiple suicide threats and attempts throughout her life. So I know what it's like to be on the needy end of mental health crisis intervention. But as a child, I didn't have a NAMI. I didn't know why this was our life and if there was really anything we could do about it. And it really wasn't until much later in my life where I was um, in medical school training at the local state uh, mental health hospital that I really had understood what we had lived through. But in those early years, I knew what it was like to feel as if your only two options were to watch the person you care for drown or to hold on knowing inevitably you would drown with them. Every family deserves a place to go for help, and with NAMI and congregations like yours, they do. And so, as we look to the future of Colorado Springs, it's bright, but there are challenges. And whether that's teen or adult suicide prevention, substance abuse, and our opioid crisis, homelessness, our overcrowded courts and jails, the necessity for additional crisis intervention teams, mental health destigmatization, or community mental wellness promotion, we need community partners like you. So I'll leave you with this, this gem of inspiration and wisdom from America's greatest cinematic achievement, Steven Spielberg's 1985 masterpiece, The Goonies. <laughs> so you may recall, or you may, maybe not, I don't know, we'll see, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out here. This is kind of a generational joke here, but 
This, this is why I didn't give it earlier. Like, I, made a, I made an audible there. Mikey, so Mikey and the Goonies have survived the booby traps, right? And the bats and the Fratellis. And they've made it to the wishing well on their epic quest for one-eyed Willie's hidden pirate treasure. But, but they're cold. This is a, there's a point here. But, but they're cold and they're wet and they're scared, right? And they want to give up. And it, it, it all just seems too much um, for them. They simply want to go home and ride that well bucket back to the surface to the safety of the status quo. But Mikey reminds them, after he takes a puff on his inhaler, that this is their one chance all together to dream big, to take that leap of faith, to do the impossible, and to save their town. And so Mikey declares that if they give up, you know, the next time they see sky, it'll be in another town. The next time they take a test, it'll be in some other school. And the parents, the parents, understandably, they have to do what's right for them. But the Goonies, right, the Goonies have to do what's right for each other. And so Mikey says, down here, it's our time. It's, it's our time down here. But that's all over the second they give up and, and ride that bucket back to the surface. But they don't give up, do they, right? They don't. They take that leap. They venture forth into the unknown, and they do the impossible. And why? Because as we all know, Goonies never say die. So... There you go. So, so thank you for taking this journey with us. Um, the time is now for, for fearless compassion. Church, not only others who suffer from mental illness, but, and this is the hard part, often for ourselves. So thank you. Dr. Kelly serves on the board of the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Um, and Lori Jarvis, wave your hand over there, Lori. She will be at a table in the founder's room after service if you would like more resources or more information about NAMI, which is a very important organization here in the Springs. So right now I want you to look around the room and I want you to count five people around you. One in five. We know that one in five people will be impacted by personal experiences of mental health challenges in any given year. One in five. Take this in. How does it make you feel? Concerned? Heartbroken? Despite how common things like depression and anxiety and other mental health challenges are, in the church we are often silent about this kind of suffering. Mental illness is sometimes known in the church as the non-casserole disease. We don't visit people with mental health challenges, and sometimes we even get mad at the people for having them. The historic shame and stigma associated with mental illness creates real barriers to getting treatment because people keep silent for fear of being judged or rejected or abused. Scientific data tells us that our mental health is also physical health and that diseases of the brain result not from sin but from a complex web of causes such as biology or environment, experience, or other causes. We know that just like physical wellness, mental wellness can be temporary. 
If we experience a trauma or grief, we are in it. We know so much more about the human brain than the writers of Scripture who assumed that people with mental illness were plagued by troubled spirits or by demons. As a result, the church has interpreted mental illness as the result of sin or sin of the parents or the grandparents. And the sad part is that having a mental illness often makes it hard to be confident in God's love because when you have it, it damages your relationships and your self-esteem. Unconditional love seems unfathomable for those who struggle. So it is important as your pastor to make it clear today that our sufferings related to mental illness are not a punishment from God. They are not the fault of your moral fiber or spiritual failings. I state this not just as your pastor, but as someone who has experienced mental illness in my own family. Within my extended family, we have a garden variety of anxiety disorders. We have depression, panic attacks, substance abuse, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, psychotic breaks. My grandmother had one due to menopause. Borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, PTSD from going to Vietnam, and yes, even suicide completion. Perhaps your family has a history too. Knowing the statistics, I guarantee you do. But throughout my childhood and even young adult life, I never heard the words mental illness or suicide spoken in church. The silence was deafening. And because the church couldn't talk about these things, I felt like God maybe was silent on the topic too. Yet as this story from Luke affirms, Jesus didn't turn his back on people with, quote, troubled spirits. Instead, he listened to their lives. He came down to level ground, as we hear in the text. He didn't turn his back on them. He showed God's care. He offered them hope and healing love. And so how can we as the church do the same? Perhaps we start today by breaking the silence. We can sometimes offer adult forums and youth programs on topics like depression screening or suicide prevention. And we lift up those in prayer who are dealing with mental illness, just as we do those who are dealing with physical illnesses. And we listen deeply to the call to advocate for mental health care in our community. Over and over again, the Gospels tell us of Jesus' care for those afflicted in mind or spirit. Healing people with mental illness actually outnumbers any physical healings that Jesus did. It's as if he wanted to widen the welcome because he knew that people with mental challenges were often very sensitive people. They were the artists, the poets, the prophets, and the world needed their gifts. As his followers, we are called today to acknowledge gifts too. And so may God give us the voice to break the silence, the hearts to care, and the courage to widen the welcome.
May it be so. Amen.